you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, does not bear good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food, do likewise. For tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teach, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is at his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. So knowing that we were going to Talk, talk about things today. I tried to shorten my sermon a little bit, but I'm not going to make any guarantees. You never know <laughs> how the spirit's going to go, right? And uh, my clock is broke. My clock is gone. So hunker down. I guess we're uh, you know I have no idea what time it is. So that's fine. So this is our third Sunday of Advent, and uh, we heard a text about John the Baptist written in Luke. John the Baptist confronting. Those who were coming to be baptized, um, not very pastoral is John. And it made me wonder, what is it to be a Christian? What does that mean? The word itself Chris, it comes from a Latin word, Christianus, meaning little Christ or belonging to little Christs is what Christians are. And it's actually a derogatory term made up by the Romans to to uh, uh, accuse Christians, or followers of Jesus, as to call them little Christs running around making a menace of themselves. Uh, the early church, its, its own designation was people of the way, is what uh, Christians originally called themselves. But eventually they kind of adopted this Christianus as uh, their monarch. That's a great way to diffuse uh, derogatory terms, is just claim them and uh, take them on. And so they, they did. And who is a Christian? It leaves me to wonder. And who are these little Christs? And how do we know them when we see them? And for for some, it's anyone who calls himself a Christian is a Christian, right? For others, it is someone who has had a particular conversion experience and has been born again. Quote. 
And for some, it is being part of the institution of the church. You're a Christian if you're a part of the institution of the church. And for some, it is an adherence to a certain set of cardinal doctrines that designate whether you're a Christian or not. Or There's often a lot of debate about what a real Christian is, and uh, we get hung up on a lot of things about that. But when, uh, when, we f- when Christians first started being called Christian, it was costly. It often cost people their, home, their, their families. Uh, it eventually cost them their culture, uh, uh, their Jewish identity. All the, all the first Christians were Jewish. And eventually, they started uh, causing all kinds of troubles in the synagogues by standing up and reinterpreting the Old Testament in the lens, through the lens of Christ and proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And that caused a lot of disruption in the synagogue meetings. And so eventually, the people in the synagogue kicked them out and said, if you're going to be a Christian, you need to go somewhere else. And uh, so they lost their house of worship. The earliest Christians used to go to synagogue on Saturday and then go to the love feasts on Sunday and celebrate Christ. But uh, that eventually stopped, and there was a rift between Judaism and Christianity. They, they went their separate ways. It was uh, deadly at some point when Christianity was outlawed by the Romans. It's not like that today, is it? Today, saying you are a Christian can be met with uh, many different reactions. One, is, one reaction you can get is one of connection. Uh, I can say I'm a Christian to the right person, and there is an immediate kinship, a particular shared bond. I'm a Christian. Oh, you know what? So am I. And what is happening here is that there is a person, here's someone saying, oh, here is uh, saying they're a Christian, and here is someone who thinks and feels the same way I do about certain things, and we have a common worldview. Yet in other settings, the reaction to I am a Christian is one with a flood of assumptions about what that means and a sense of disconnection from the individual that it has an effect of being off-putting sometimes. Oh, you're a Christian. Okay. And what seems to be happening there is that someone hears someone saying that and they, oh, here's someone who thinks and feels about the world in a very different way and not the same way I do. The effect of all this is that you have people who are either eager to take on the title of being Christian because of all those assumptions that people make about it, or you have those who are reluctant about it because of those assumptions that everyone has about it. And I have to confess, sometimes I have to be, uh, sometimes I I run into this issue of of wanting to qualify what I'm saying when I say I'm a Christian. Because it can mean a lot of different things. And of course, add Baptist to that. And that gets to be even worse. Especially the bleeding heart liberal Baptist we are. Right? <laughs> and uh, we have to really explain uh, that we're Baptists. And uh, it, gets a little, it gets a little dicey. Whatever the case, I'm not sure that any of the assumptions being made are at all accurate. Christian is such a generic term anymore. Furthermore, I say that uh, to say that I'm a Christian, it hasn't really said a lot anymore. There's still a lot of blanks to fill in before one really knows even what that means. 
And of course, John in our text today from Luke suggests that what you call yourself is of no consequence anyway. Who cares? It is the fruit you bear that makes the difference. John here is confronting all those who came to the waters and among them were some pretty hoity-toity people. Some uh, Pharisees, some scribes, some people of affluence and people of influence coming to see what all this fuss was about. And it was, it was kind of the latest, greatest thing to do on a Saturday afternoon. Let's go down to the river and get baptized by John and then we'll catch a movie, maybe get a, get a bite to eat on our way home. Right? It was kind of an afternoon, the, the event of the season. John's not having any of that. He confronts them and says, oh, here they come, these guys. And for some reason, he's pretty upset that they're there. I think John is skeptical about the validity or the sincerity of their confession. And he says, there are those who call themselves sons of Abraham. And he challenges the assumptions being made about that. You know, it was thought in Jesus' day that Abraham's faith was what got you in well with God, got you right with God. If you're looking for something that was salvific, being a son or a daughter of Abraham, that's what got you salvation. And it wasn't based on your faith. It was based on Abraham's faith. And here we are 1,500 years later in Jesus' time and everyone's still going, man, that Abraham's faith was powerful because I'm feeling pretty good about it. And John's going, wait a minute. That's silly. It's not your connection to Abraham that is going to get you right with God. But it is the, the fruit that is worthy of the repentance that you come into the water proclaiming that gets you right with God. That is a whole different theology John is starting to preach. And Jesus, of course, builds on that and reclaims what it means to be a son of Abraham. And in the same way, we are confronted by John with this same suggestion that it is by one's fruits that they are known for who they are and whose they are. And so this message comes to us who claim to be little Christs. That title is meaningless. And it only has meaning if it translates to living differently. People need to see our Christianity long before they ever hear about it. There was a study I read recently. A, a pastor named David Hansen down in Texas did a study. Uh, and, he, and it basically asked, why don't people come to church anymore? And the, he, got some, he got some surprising answers. To might be surprising to some of us, maybe not to others. And it had nothing to do... The reason people don't come... To, the, the responses he got, the reason people don't come to church has nothing to do with the music, has nothing to do with the liturgy, has nothing to do with the programs, has nothing to do with the nursery, has nothing to do with how old or how young people are in the congregation. The reason people don't come to church is because of the people. It reminds me of a bumper sticker that I see quite often that says, Lord, save me from your followers. <laughs> and there seems to be a sentiment out there. 
people are running away from church because the people within the church do not live those transformed lives we preach about. Because the people within the church do harm sometimes. Because the people within the church gossip as much as everyone, cheat as much as everyone, and cause problems as much as everyone, lie as much as everyone. And it's, you know, it's uh, at the heart of this is that people have not lived out those transformed lives we profess. And it's, uh, uh, David says this, David Hansen, the guy, he says, it's not that people outside the church have low expectations of Christians, it's just the opposite. They expect us to actually live out the things we proclaim on Sunday. They expect us to love our neighbor. They expect us to care for the least of these and to love our enemies. They have high expectations for us and we have disappointed them. Instead, they have been insulted, hurt, and broken by us. The issue of judgment and feeling judged seems to come up over and over again. Hansen then goes on to point out that the behavior of some church members is also the number one reason why people return to church. This is the good news. The number one reason people begin worshiping with a new congregation is because they have been made to feel welcomed, and loved by someone in that church. And uh, I did a, we're doing stuff for the website, and I interviewed a few people, asked them why they came to church. And over and over again, people were saying, because of the people, because I feel loved and supported in this church, because people affirm me for who I am, and they don't judge me. And so I think I agree with what David Hansen is saying. My point is this. At the heart of what it means to be a Christian is not what we say about ourselves. It's not the labels that we put on it. It is not our doctrine or our particular theology even. It is not how we worship. It is not where we worship or even if we worship in a formal setting. It is how we live. And it is the fruit we bear. We are known by our fruit. They will know we are Christians by our love. Amen? They, we are known to be followers of Christ by our ability to carry the light of life out into the world and to live not one who proclaims Christ, but one who lives Christ. Amen? And by sharing that transformed lives... People will see Jesus in you. The fruit we bear is the, the witness of who Jesus is in our life to a hurt and a broken and an evil world. And the only way, the only way the world is going to be transformed is if we live out those transformed lives that we've been talking about for the hundred and something years we've been here. Some of us have been there for a lot of those. <laughs> Our invitation from John, the confrontation from John today, is to live lives bearing fruit Worthy of our repentance. Worthy of the faith we claim in Jesus Christ. Worthy of the title 
We bear so easily. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Well then, let's see some fruit. If you're, if you're a Christian who bears the fruit worthy of repentance, you will never, ever have to tell anyone that you are a Christian. They'll know. Because they'll see Jesus in you. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, one who has called us to be followers of the way, to be little Christs, may we examine ourselves and search for the good fruit You have called us to bear, that we might live transformed lives and by doing so, transform the world we live in. Bring it closer to that kingdom of God you lived for, you died for, and you rose again for. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray.